0: Thank you, John, for reading that. That was fantastic. So, at, around at the Free Church, we believe that the Word of God stands alone. It doesn't need an awful lot of explanation. So what we've been doing just lately, we've been looking at a word that's that's got a sort of... A, a a direction to it to what we're going to be preaching and we are going to be looking at Psalm 145 so please don't worry about that so turn back in your Bibles if you would I can't remember what page you said it was Terry 631 if you could turn back to that but that great passage that we've just had read that Dawn's just read to us from Revelation it just reminds us of the multitudes and multitudes of people who will be bowing down to worship and praise God on the day when we go to glory, be a fantastic day well, let me just put this down okay. well Rich sort of alluded to it in his prayers but this week's not been a good week has it again, you know there's, we've seen that senseless act of killing that went on in France, that priest going about his godly duties and he's cut down in such an awful way And I was actually preparing this message when one of our congregation came running into me and he was in tears. He goes to France a lot and it's a village outside Rouen that he knew very, very well. And he said, I can't believe it. And he was visibly shaken and we prayed about it. We prayed about the evil of this world and how the Lord Jesus Christ has won the victory on the cross. And it made me think about this psalm about praising God. And I thought, I wonder tonight if that news has really sat into our hearts about the way that these folks are behaving. If we really feel that we can praise the living God. Well, of course we can. We can praise the living God because St Peter reminds us that as the church, and that's what we are, whether we're Free Church or URC or the church at the top of the village, we are the church. We are God's church. Because we've been chosen by God to be a royal priesthood. We've been chosen to be a holy nation. We've been chosen to belong to God. Isn't that wonderful? We've been chosen out of the world to belong to God. Why? so that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's why we're the church. That's why God's called us together like this. So as such, we're to be men and women who steer people away from the evilness of sinful men and into the wonderful light of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's desire is for all men To be saved. In other words, to turn from their wickedness and to live. And God created you and I to be part of that plan. That eternal plan. Well in truth, God doesn't really need us, does he? He could do it all quite adequately on his own. But he chooses to use us. And we see why in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31 tells us he chose us because he's loved us with an everlasting love he loves us with an everlasting love well Ali and myself we have a young grandson called Sam and uh, my daughter phoned me the other night laughing her head off to say that she just had to give Sam a good telling off, he'd been a little tinker and typical of children of seven years old it was you don't love me you didn't want me <laughs> I might as well go away. You only wanted Georgia. That's his sister. (laughs) Well, of course, that's a load of rubbish because Savage is treasured by us all. We all love him to bits, even when he's been a tinker. But, you know, God treasures us. Genesis 1, 26, God tells us, he said, let's make man in our image. Let's make man in our image. Notice there is a plural, us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune God, has made us in his image. Well, our part in God's eternal plan is to acknowledge and love him. Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. And Jesus, of course, qualified that, didn't he, in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 22. He tells us, love your neighbour as yourself. And as we are part of God's eternal plan... Well then Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 that God has had a work planned for each one of us since the beginning of time. God had the work planned for us that you and I have been called to do since the beginning of time. And what's that? It's to bring glory to his name. And of course those few passages of scripture that I've just quoted to you prove to us how much we're both wanted and how much we're valued by God and if that doesn't cause our hearts to praise him tonight as David does in this great psalm then I don't know what will. Well, over the past few Sunday nights back at the Free Church, we've been looking at the Psalms of Ascents. Those liturgical songs that were sung by the pilgrims as they went up to Jerusalem to worship God in the temple. And of course, they went to three times a year if they could, but once they were probably required to go to Passover, Pentecost or Tabernacles. And Psalm 145 is the last in the Psalter that's actually attributed to King David. And it isn't a song of ascent, although it's right at the end of these. But it's the beginning of a praise section. But it's very likely a liturgical song that was sung at one of these feasts. And a lot of the commentators seem to think that it was probably tabernacles. And it's what's known as an acrostic psalm. It's made up of the first letters in the Hebrew uh, uh, dictionary, in their their alphabet rather. So it starts off obviously with RA and it goes through their 22 letters. And King David begins this psalm, verse 1 and 2, with an outpouring of praise to God. To his omniscient, omnipotent king, the name above all names. That's what we see there, isn't it? I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. The name that one day all of creation is going to bow down to. The name who, when we pray, we're praying in his name, aren't we? We call on his name. In his name, the world and every living thing came into being. The Bible teaches us that the name of the Lord, it protects, it Excuse me. It saves, it provides, it sustains. And as Christians, I pray that you love the name of the Lord. I pray you do. And David goes on to tell us in verse 2 that every day I'll praise your name. Every day I will exalt your name forever and ever. Well, the Amplified Bible says with its new reasons. So every day with the new reasons that there are, and affectionately... David praises every day well that's a challenge to us isn't it? That's a real challenge to us especially when we've heard the news that's been so depressing just recently the news from France and Germany and Japan and other places around the world but David says he praises God in both the good days and the not so good days and in the days that the Queen had a few years ago and as horribilous days and not Just as we see here in verse 2, through the years of his life on earth, David tells us he praises God throughout all eternity. David's one of those that we had read about in a minute ago in Revelation. Forever and ever, because our God is a great God. Just look down at verses 3 to 7. This is what we read there. Great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendour of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness, and joyfully sing of your righteousness well firstly tonight great is the lord we've sung that already tonight and we great is the lord well how good are you at sayings come on let's use our little gray cells as Porrow says some were born great some achieved greatness and some have greatness thrust upon them who said that and where was it said Brush up your Shakespeare, start quoting him now. Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. God, I thought I was sick. (laughs) We didn't do Shakespeare at school. We only had tablets. (laughs) You know, not so long ago, joking apart, the media was full, wasn't it, of the death of Muhammad Ali. Probably one of the greatest boxers ever born. But can you remember some of his great sayings, some of his humorous sayings. What was his most famous saying? Can you remember? I am the greatest. (laughs) I float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Well as great in the eyes of the boxing world as Muhammad Ali was no one no one is greater than God no one not those born into greatness those who achieve greatness or those who've had greatness thrust on them matches up to God's greatness his greatness David says here in verse 3 no one can fathom no one can fathom it Romans 11 Paul says oh the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out Well, in a few years' time, many will have forgotten those who may be great in the eyes of the world today. But the knowledge of God's greatness and his mighty deeds will pass, verse 4, from generation to generation, causing many to praise him, as David does here. Well, let's think about God's mighty deeds that we need to be praising him for and proclaiming him for to the next generation. Firstly, let's think about God's work of creation. You know, many children in our schools today are being fed the line that science can prove beyond doubt how the universe came into being. In many schools, teaching that God had a hand at work in creation is dismissed as being ludicrous. One eminent scientist has even gone on record to say Christians are idiots to believe in a God of creation. Do you know I'm happy to be regarded as an idiot by such an eminent professor as Dr uh, or Professor Richard Cox because unlike him, this idiot knows the truth. Because you see, without God's hand at work in creation, none of this would be, would it? And I hate to tell Professor Cox this, but he would just be prime animal stew. He wouldn't be a professor. But you know, this, it's serious because this kind of liberal thinking is being dumped into our schools daily, along with many, many other things that go against God's word. And you know, we as God's people, we desperately need to expose our children and our grandchildren to the truth, to the truth of the God of creation, to the God of the Bible, whose motive for all he does is love. The fact that he loves us. He loves us with a passion. And that's perfectly seen, of course, in the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? Secondly, we need to pass on to our children God's providence. His provision for all his creation. That food doesn't come from McDonald's or Sainsbury's or online. We need to make aware to our children that God has given us everything. And he's given it to us in abundance. So there's plenty to go round. Verses 15 and 16 of this great psalm says, The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Our kids need to know and to praise God for the fact that he gives us everything. It's by his hand at work in creation that he gives us those things. Go back to 1 Chronicles, to that great outpouring of prayer that David brought before the Lord. He said, all things come from you, O Lord. All things. And all we're doing is we're giving back to him. That's what he says. Well, I wonder how many families today give thanks before eating the food that's on their tables. Or do they just dive into it? Thirdly, sorry, we need to impress upon the next generation that although God loves us, we each stand guilty before him in his sight of doing wrong. All have sinned, Paul says, and we fall short of the glory of God. King David said, each of us are like sheep who've gone astray. Each has gone his own way. That's our condition, isn't it? That's our condition before God. The condition that we need to impress on our children, on that next generation. As they don't seem to think that they've done anything wrong. We need to impress it upon them that as a generation we each stand guilty before God of the sin of failing to love God, failing to acknowledge him. And of course what happens when we leave God out of the equation? Then we steered into doing wrong things aren't we? We leave God out we start doing wrong things. But we're to temper the bad news that we can do nothing ourselves to change our sinful condition with the good news that God can and has. And he's done it by his grace and mercy. He's done it through the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ has paid the price for our sinfulness. That sinfulness that was holding us down. And of course, what's happened is God's brought change. Change. That word that's a black word in the Church of England. I can say that in here, not recording it, so <laughs> Just to tell you a little story. There was a bishop's meeting, and all day long they'd been talking about some doctrine or other, and they couldn't agree on anything. And they'd got a young curate to wait hand and foot on them, And he did and it got round to half past four on this winter's afternoon and they're all sitting there they hadn't agreed on anything all day and suddenly the light bulb went out and this young curate said my lords shall I change the bulb change they all said it's the first thing they'd agreed on all day (laughs) don't tell James I've said that (laughs) you know but that's what's happened. God has changed us. suddenly. He? He's changed us into a likeness of Christ and he's done that through the cross. You know each time we meet as God's people like this, what we do in verse 5 is we're speaking of the glories and the splendour of God's majesty. Verse 3 reminds us of God's greatness and David closes this, this little section of Psalm 145 by speaking of God's goodness. We see that there, verse 7. The greatness of God as seen through creation and his goodness seen in that God didn't spare his own son but gave him up to death. Even to death on a cross it says in the scriptures so that we might know salvation for our souls and have peace With God. Well, of course, both these things are truths about God that we should rejoice in and praise God for today, because through God's goodness to us, we have been made right before Him. That's a wonderful thought isn't it we've been made righteous before god through christ's death and resurrection and that's not because we deserve his love rich mentioned that tonight when we were praying quite the opposite it's because the lord is gracious and compassionate he's slow to anger and rich in love just take a look now down at verses 8 to 16 we read those verses, that I've just quoted. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he's made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of your glory, the glory of your kingdom, and they speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendour of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and he lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give to them their food at the proper time. uh, You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing or well, secondly tonight god is gracious to us graciousness compassionate slow to anger rich in love there's four sermons there but you'll be pleased tonight i'm going to stick to psalm 145 but that's how david describes his king the one he's just told us is great a god of power who at his very command, the world and all that was in it was made. But he tells us here he's also a gracious, compassionate king, slow to anger, rich in love. Words that would have been very, very familiar to God's people Israel, because they're words that God spoke to Moses when Moses was on Mount Sinai, and the Lord passed before him and gave him the commandments The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love is what we read in Exodus. That's what David's reminding God's people of here in this verse 9. Because Israel belonged to God. And throughout their history, they knew firsthand how slow to anger God had been. How rich in love he was. And how compassionate and how gracious he was and verses 10 and 11 David goes back to the theme that we saw at the beginning of this psalm of praising God for his greatness and encouraging others to do the same to speak out his might his kingdom and his glory we each know don't we we know for ourselves that God does not treat us as our sins deserve that he's a merciful god that he is slow to anger that he is abounding in love and that's just as well when we know what we like, when we're honest with ourselves and we come before the Lord. Because you see, we witness today, don't we? The evilness of our own hearts, our thoughts, our wrong motives, the things that we do, and we see on the news each night the evilness of men's hearts, not just in France but out in Germany, in Japan, in the USA, Syria, Iraq, Iran, and you could go on. Never has there been a time when as God's people we need to be actively sharing the gospel, bringing in the truth of God, so that verse 12, 13, that all men may know of God's mighty acts. Of God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion endures through the generations. You know, I I find it incredible when I witness on the TV the acts of IS or Daesh, whatever you want to call them. It's absolutely senseless. If they think that they can establish a caliphate in the world where they can bring Sharia law to bear on all people, well, it's ludicrous. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells us so. God is king and his kingdom is everlasting and a day will come when the Lord Jesus will come again in glory and on that day the whole world will see that the Lord Jesus Christ is trustworthy in all his promises and faithful in all he does that's what David says here verse 13b trustworthy in all his promises and faithful in all he does Jesus told the disciples he said blessed are you when people insult you when they persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because your great is your reward in heaven. Well, putting aside the obvious persecution that Christians around the world face today from some Islamic groups, there's a more subtle persecution that faces us as Christians at work here in the UK. It's called PC, political correctness. Political correctness from humanists, atheists, the LGBT lobby. All in their way committed in this country to becoming a completely secular society. A free for all for men and women to do what they like. These folk, many with the backing of government, and that means when you start to think about it they're using your money, are applauded for their work in the schools, colleges, universities, and in society generally. They're applauded. It's great secular society. But what these godless people fail to recognise is that they're doing the devil's bidding. They're unwittingly doing Satan's bidding. And for us as Christians, often derided in the press for proclaiming Christ, called homophobic because we stand up for the truth that God loves the sinner but hates the sin, regarded as we saw earlier as being idiots for believing that God is the author of creation. Well, King David, a man we know to be of God's own heart, says this, verse 14, the Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up those who are bowed down we saw earlier didn't we that the Lord is compassionate and his compassion spreads to all of his own who are falling because of the persecution from the world around them and by his great mercy he lifts up those bowed down by the world today I love those words from Psalm 40 when David cried out to the Lord it says God heard his cry and lifted him out of the muck and the mire of this evil world and placed his feet on a rock that rock, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. So our struggle against liberal thinkers, those who persecute us as Christians, well, we need to overcome their attacks by keeping our eyes firmly fixed on God, on his provisions for us as his people. Isaiah 58, 11 says, The Lord will guide you always. He will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-drenched land. And will strengthen your frame. We really need the Lord to pour his wonderful goodness flowing like a river into our sometimes parched lives. Sun scorched lives when we get so fed up with all of this liberal thinking that's around us. The Lord strengthens us. He strengthens your frame is what Isaiah says. And these are wonderfully encouraging truths for us to take on board today. And more reasons for us to praise God just as David did. Every day, praising God for his greatness, praising God for his graciousness. But you know, we should also be praising God that in a world where there is such injustice, David reminds us here that our God is a righteous and a just God. Just look down at the last few verses, verses 17 down to 20. And we read there, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and he's faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. God is our righteous king, is our last heading tonight. David's already quoted some words from Exodus to remind Israel that they'd come to worship God. They reminded him of God's goodness and love towards them as his covenant people. Even though just like us at times they failed to love and uphold his commands. Verse 8, the Lord is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. And David adds another truth in describing the God that he praises daily. Verse 17, the Lord is righteous. He's righteous in all his ways and he's loving towards all he has made. Well in a world that so often fails to display grace, where a compassionate heart is seen as a sign of weakness and where wanting to uphold God's word and to live the right way, the way God calls us to live, is challenged comes David's confidence in the God of grace, the God of compassion. The God of righteousness, seen at work through all in verse 18, who call on him. I find that a real comfort, living as we do in such a godless world, that when we call on the Lord as his people, he does hear us. Not only does he hear us, he draws alongside us. Seek the Lord. While he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Isaiah 55 tells us. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Says James in the New Testament. James 4. Our God is a God who isn't distant from us. He desperately wants to be involved in our lives. Why? Because verse 19 he hears our cry and he saves us. Not because we deserve to be saved, quite the opposite, but because of his grace, because of his compassion, his compassion for all those who would be lost without him. And because God's desire is that we be made righteous in his sight. Well, if having saved us wasn't enough, God continues to pour out his grace on us each and every day as we go on in our Christian lives Verse 20 says, the Lord watches over all who love him. The Lord watches over all who love him. Well, these are great words from one king's heart in praise of the everlasting king, David's Lord, almighty God. But I'm sure, just like me, you can look at these verses today and see the truths that are being proclaimed within them. And see in them, King David's greatest son, the Lord Jesus Christ. One who possesses all the greatness and majesty of his Father. Paul told the church in Colossae that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And in Jesus we see graciousness perfectly displayed through his death on the cross. Paul has reminded us numerous times in his letters that we're saved purely by grace. And grace abounds because by his grace we're able to go on and grow in our faith until that day when as men and women we become like him and we enter his glory and we become part of that great multitude that couldn't be counted and God's work of grace that continues in us will produce in us a righteousness That as Paul says, is a righteousness given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Well, I hope that, like my heart, your heart's desire as a believer is that you become more like Jesus. That's my heart. And to do his will, his good and pleasing will, so that we can demonstrate to an unbelieving and an ungodly and righteous world the greatness of God. The graciousness of God and the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And along with Christians here and everywhere, verse 21, my mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. And David finishes by saying, let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever.